Hello, 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 friends, and welcome to the She Finds Joy podcast, where we reclaim the super shiny lights that burn in each of us. I'm Kim Strobel, your truth-telling, real-talk happiness coach who believes in the power of showing up as our flossom selves, even and especially, my friends, when it comes to working through our hard stuff. After all, when we're playing in our arenas of bigness, life gets better as we get bolder. So buckle up for the no BS, zero fluff advice that gives you the small steps for big joy. One of the best things about She Finds Joy is our community. So be sure to join us in our free private Facebook group to connect with other women who are creating more joy in their lives, just like you. You can find us at kimstrobel.com forward slash she finds joy. All right, let's dive in to today's episode. Here we go. Welcome to our podcast this week. My guest this week is Maggie Reyes, and Maggie is a life coach and marriage mentor who specializes in helping driven, ambitious women create the marriages of their dreams. Her playful and practical approach to love and marriage takes the principles of cognitive psychology and luxury hospitality and uses them to teach her clients the most effective ways to break destructive patterns and develop the mindsets and habits that make relationships thrive. Maggie lives in Miami with her husband, Mariano, whom she met on Christmas Day. If you want to learn how to stop doing the things that poison the love in a relationship and start doing the things that make love stronger, you can find the tools to start becoming your best loving self at MaggieRayaz.com. And we will drop that website link in the show notes. Welcome, Miss Maggie, to my show. Kim, I am so excited to be here. I am so excited to talk to you. You are one of the joyous person, people that I know, one of the most joyful and joyest persons that I know. And I'm so happy to talk with you today. Thank you. We had a post in the She Finds Joy Facebook group today that said, what is your superpower? And I said that I think my superpower is that I have a contagious enthusiasm for life. I love that. Yeah. I absolutely love that. I know it to be true. (laughs) Well, I just love how we met three years ago. We were at Susan Hyatt's uh, retreat weekend. Yes. Then you've launched a successful business that is really built around finding the love and and creating the marriage that you really want. And I'm so excited to do this topic, Maggie, because one of the things that I tell people is that, and I I don't know, and and maybe your opinion is different, so I can't wait to dive into this topic, but I just believe that everybody deserves like not just an okay marriage and not a good enough marriage, but an exceptional marriage. Yes. And that doesn't mean that we don't have, you know, disagreements or that we don't get upset with each other, but like overall, your mate is your exceptional love story. Yes. And I can't wait to talk with you because I think, okay, maybe I'm wrong, Maggie, but I feel like when I look around, there's a lot of people who don't have that. Okay, first of all, you're spot on on both counts. I totally agree with, I think people should not have mediocre relationships. I think they should have magnificent relationships, right? And I talk about it in the context of the five-star marriage. So that's where we bring in like the luxury hospitality. It's like, do you want to live in a motel marriage 
or do you want to live in a five-star luxury resort marriage, right? Oh, I love that analogy. Yeah. And when I try to tell people, you know, your marriage could be better. It's kind of like this nebulous thing. Like, what do you mean? But when I'm like, listen, (laughs) if we're fighting all the time and we're not having fun and we're not going on dates anymore and it's been five months since you've had sex, maybe that's what a motel would be like, right? Yes. But if we are really building a life that we care about, honoring our values, honoring our desires, being what we're all about, right? Being a partner, having a team you know, being a team with each other and then having a family that's the family that we always dreamt of having, whatever that looks like. Like, I don't have kids, but I consider my husband and I are a family. It's the family that we made, right? Yes. And it's like, that could be a five-star, welcome home, love to see you. It's always my pleasure. That vibe, that's what I mean when I'm talking about luxury hospitality and like positive psychology. It's that. Yes. And so Maggie, why... Why do we need to bring our marriages to the forefront of our relationships? Because I think that people, well, here's what the happiness research tells you. The happiness research tells you that after being married for about two years, your happiness level goes back down to its baseline or, or it gets worse. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so like the research is right, but then the research also says, but if you're yeah. willing to do these things differently, yes, you won't go back to the baseline. You will actually feel more fulfillment in your life. And so I want you to tell me why the, the listeners who have young children yep. who have been married, maybe they have children, they don't, they're been married for a while. The relationship is stagnant. They really don't get a lot of joy from their partner. Like h- how do we do this? What does this look like? And yeah. So first of all, I love it that you quote the research. I love research too. And here's something important for people to know, whether you're married right now and listening to us and you just want it to be a little bit better or whether you think it's thriving and you might be surprised by some things you can add to your relationship. Or if you're not in a relationship right now and you know that you want to be, like this is the episode that's going to help set a framework in your mind for how to have a relationship that thrives, right? We just want to like, yeah. Love that, yes. <laughs> it was like, yes, girl. Okay, so here's what, we, what I want all of you to know about marriage as it, as it relates to happiness and joy. A toxic relationship has the same effect on the body as smoking. Wow. Yeah. So if you are going to be married, let's make your marriage thrive. Let's not settle for a motel. Let's start upgrading, right? Even if it's a four star, that'll be better. Yes. (laughs) Even if we don't get to five. And then a healthy relationship, the research on people who are married and thriving is you live longer you're healthier during the years you're alive, which means you live longer. You make more money over the course of your life, right? Yep. Yeah. And so every measurable indicator rises when your home relationship is strong and healthy and thriving, right? I 100% believe in that. I yeah. mean, it's like a positive brain. When you yeah. get your brain at positive, you do things like you, you start to make more money. You start to see creative opportunities yeah. that you didn't see before. And so yeah. I know some people are probably like, really? Like if my marriage is good, I'll actually make more money. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so there's research that bears that. Like, that's what I found when I was going to like find out why should this matter to people more than just, I want to feel good at home. It's like, wait a minute. There are markers that we can actually track 
that are super valuable, not only your emotional health, but your physical health and your financial health. Like if you got all three, you're golden. Right? Wonderful. Yeah. So what you mentioned in the beginning where you get married and then two years later, you go back to baseline. This is like anything in life, right? If we don't actively, intentionally act upon our life, then it's kind of like we're adrift in the ocean. We're like, when it comes to living, right? I know yeah. people who listen to this podcast are listening to this podcast because they are happier and want to continue to be happier. Like that's why you guys are here. But let's just remember, and I think this might be like a Tony Robbins thing, but I love how succinct this is that in life, we're either at cause or at effect. Explain that to me. Okay. So life can either happen to me or I can happen to life. Oh, I love it. Yes. Right. That's how I would explain it. So when you hear the research of, you know, two years later, your happiness at point goes right back down. When you're um, interviewing like the average normal citizen, right? Yep. Most people are not at cause in their life. Most people are at effect. So yeah. we want to help you with our work and the kind of things we focus on is to say, no, life is not going to happen to me. I am going to go out. I'm going to happen to life. I'm going to decide to have an amazing marriage, a wonderful career. I'm going to decide to make a difference in my community. And then I'm going to figure out what that looks like for me. Yes. Yes. I love it. Keep going, girlfriend. <laughs> so in marriage, one of the things that I teach, and I want to know what you think about this, Kim, because I think it's important in anything we do, is the number one thing you do first is just decide. Yes. You make the choice. Make and we're choice. actually making a choice constantly. We're yeah. either making a choice to take action in one direction or we're making a choice to not take action in that direction. Yes. And then we're either moving closer to our goal or farther away. Correct. Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, sometimes we have to decide what the heck our goal is going to be, right? And then you listen to shows like this one and you follow people like Kim who are like, listen, the goal is happiness. How about you choose that? <laughs> yeah. 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 How about you choose it and start creating it within yourself? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So the number one thing first is to decide, right? What and are my priorities? Decide, are you saying like decide that your marriage is worth working yes. on to get better? Yes. Okay. I love yes. that. Step one, decide. Step one, decide. I teach a concept called the relationship table. And imagine a round table with three legs, like a side table at a sofa. Yes. <laughs> the top of the table is the decision. My marriage matters. I'm going to invest in it. You know, I talk to a lot of women who are frustrated in their relationships. And I ask them, when was the last time you went on a date? They're like, I don't even remember right? But why, how does that even happen? It's because we don't prioritize it. We didn't make a decision that it was important. We didn't decide that it mattered. So we didn't do anything about it. So decision yeah. is like number one thing. So that's the number, that's the top of the table. The three legs of the table are perspective, how we think about things, how we think about our marriage, how we think about what we want. In my case, I'm always talking about relationships. So how we think about the relationship we're in. Partnership, are we a team? Are we supporting each other? How are we showing up? How are we cultivating friendship? To go back to research for a second, I love following the Gottman Institute. They research marriages and they share their findings and then they create interventions based on what they find called the Gottman Institute. Okay. And one of the findings that they have 
over 20,000 people or more that they have researched and studied and studies they've done, I don't know, 30 years worth of marriage studies. One of the findings is friendship is the core of any relationship that thrives. That's it. We always bring it back to friendship. You know, that's so interesting, Maggie, because I, I think way back when, when I was unhappy in my marriage, um, you know, cause Scott's my second marriage and we've been together for about 19 years, but I used to hear people say like, oh, he's my best friend. And I would just kind of roll my eyes like, oh, whatever, you know? And I actually posted yesterday because it was Scott's birthday. And I said, I know this sounds cor corny, but he really is not, he's not just my lover. He's not just my partner. Like he is the one I run to first. And he really is my best friend. And knowing that like kind of brings tears to my eyes because I didn't always have that in a relationship. And so like, of course, the man that I live with and that I spend the most time with, we want them to be our best friends. We do. We want that. And so many of us don't know how to create it. Right? Yes. We long for it. We desire it. Right. Yeah. But we don't know what the hell is that. <laughs> right. That? How do we do that? Yes. Right? And that's why I talk about that analogy of the five star of the five star marriage because I'm like, okay, if you in the absence of knowing what the heck to do, do this. <laughs> Start yes. with this. Yes. Right? Yeah. So just to finish the table and we'll go back to these. So yeah. So we have perspective is leg one. Yeah. Partnership is leg two. Yes. And leg three is pleasure. <gasps> I love that topic. Pleasure. What do you mean by that exactly? So I call it true pleasure. So true pleasure is that soul satisfying pleasure. It's not like pleasure of the moment. It's the pleasure that satisfies your heart and your soul. And pleasure includes a big spectrum of things that we often neglect if we don't make the decision to prioritize them. So when I talk about a marriage needing perspective, partnership, and pleasure, on the pleasure side, it's everything from lighthearted fun, flirting with each other, doing date nights or family game nights or things that are genuinely fun all the way to sexual pleasure and sexual connection and feeling sexually alive and connected at, on the physical level. So this is what happens. My hypothesis, as I've studied the different clients I work with and I've studied relationships and how they work, is perspective, partnership, and pleasure are those three legs. If something is wrong in a relationship, one of those legs is too short and the table falls. Because the top of the table you said is the- Decision. Decision. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. So if you see someone who's like super happy, maybe they have a thriving sex life, but they're always arguing, they need partnership. If you see someone who's like always complaining about their relationship and they're just never quite satisfied, they need perspective. So good. You can have someone who like loves their partner and they feel like they're best friends, but like the bedroom is dead. They need more pleasure. Yes. And we need all three of these. Yes. And here's what we do, Maggie. We say, well, I mean, you know, he's a stable partner. We have a good partnership. We run as a team. But so, so what that the sex has gone astray? So what that my sex life isn't all that good? That's just the point I'm at in this marriage and that's okay. Yeah. So listen, sometimes we do that, right? Here's what I'm here to represent for everyone listening. I'm here to represent thriving. 
right? That's, that's great. And sometimes we need to make those trade-offs. And I'm not saying that that's a bad thing inherently, but I'm saying that will never get to get you to thriving, right? Yes. So to bring it back to like, it's super easy to understand. If you think about the motel, right, that's a one star. Then you can have like those hotels that like give you the free breakfast and all that, right? Maybe that's a two or three star. Then you have like a four star, maybe like a Hilton or a Marriott. You have a great life in a four star. Let me just tell you, right? Yep. You have yep. an awesome life, right? But if you want to get to five star, Ritz Carlton, St. Regis. Remember that movie, Couples Retreat? Yes. I love that movie, right? That is like at the St. Regis Bora Bora. That's where they yes. film that movie. that is thriving okay (laughs) yes and we should all we should all make decisions so that we can have that thriving marriage and I love that you say it is about decide because like when I'm on a stage and I have like a thousand people in the crowd and I say like who in here wants like not just a good enough marriage but like who really wants an exceptional marriage and Maggie almost 95% of people raise their hand. And then I say, keep your hand up. Now, how many of you people who desire an exceptional marriage have a weekly date night with your spouse? Mm -hmm. And like all but one or two hands go down. And so this is what we're talking about. I feel like so many people want something, but they're really not willing sometimes to make the decisions to make it a priority so that they actually achieve that. A hundred percent. And I see it in my coaching practice as well. It's like, sometimes again, it's like, we don't even know what we want. And so we need to have words to describe what we want in the first place, which is why I love that you're out in the world talking about happiness and joy and how to increase it and how to, how to live it and what it looks like. You're such a great ambassador for this is what a person who chose happiness looks like. And it gives people like a role model, like you and I both met at a Susan Hyatt event. And Susan Hyatt for me has always been a role model. Like this is what an empowered woman who's living life on her terms looks like. And I may not know how to describe that or what the heck to put in like a job description, but I can point to you and I can point to Susan. I can say that looks good to me. Right. Yes. <laughs> I want some of that. Right. Yes. Um, so when you, so the same thing that you see when the hands go down, it's like, okay, we haven't decided. And what I teach my coaching clients is when any area of your life where you feel stuck, there is an unmade decision. Nice. Oh, that's so good. Okay. That's what Oprah would call a tweetable moment. So I want you to say that sentence again. Okay. Any area in your life where you feel stuck, there is an unmade decision. I should add four to the beginning of that. So for any area in your life where you feel stuck, there is an unmade decision. Oh, good, Maggie. What we do is we just need to get curious and see what is the decision I haven't made that would solve this problem? What is the decision I haven't made that would move me forward? Nice. Well stated. Thank you. So... (laughs) Oh my gosh. I'm just like, I have goose pimples all over me. I love it. Lucky to be in your presence and to get this knowledge from you. Um, So, okay. So you tell me where we go next. So I know step one is decide. Do we go to step two? So step one is decide. So step two, so step two or the first P perspective, partnership, and pleasure. Perspective is how are we thinking about ourselves and how are we thinking about our relationship? What is the story that we tell? 
right? In psychology, we call that, is it an empowering narrative or a disempowering narrative? I like it, make it to make it more fun. So I'm like, what is the story we're telling about this, right? So can are you we, give me some examples? Yeah, what are some yeah. stories that people Are we tell saying about? he doesn't understand me, he doesn't love me, right? That's a story I hear a lot. He doesn't love me. Oh, one of my clients said, he's just not into me anymore. Yeah, right? I was going to say, that's the one I hear, right? Like, yeah. he's just not attracted to me anymore. Yeah. So this is what I did. And this is going to be the homework for anybody in our audience who has that particular story. I'm giving you coaching homework. Just pretend I'm your coach right now. This is what you're going to do. You're going to look for the evidence that that is not true. You're going to look for every little thing that he does that shows you any kind of regard, positive regard. So for example, my client who thought he's just not into me, this was her homework that I gave her. She was convinced that this was true, first of all. She was absolutely convinced that this was the thing and this was like a problem. So her homework that week was to look for the evidence of any kind of positive regard and she literally sent me a list of like 31 things. And it was like, he made me coffee in the morning and he took the kids when I got home so that I could like have a rest. And then he invited me to the movies and then we went to dinner. And this was the best part. During this week that she was actively looking for the evidence, <laughs> she was like, so fun. Maggie, he bought me a card and gave me flowers. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Like, during the week, I was like, you know what? God has a sense of humor. I was going to say, yeah, that's a that, divine intervention. That's just God having a sense of humor. So let's just move that story off the table. Maybe he actually is into you, and we just need to look at how's the partnership, how's the pleasure. Maybe we need to move on to some other issue, because it's not that he's not into you. <laughs> yeah, it's that you, we, okay, so I want to stop and talk about this, because I think, yeah. First of all, a lot of what we teach is whatever we focus on grows. So like yes. when I was frustrated in my marriage to Scott early on, yeah. it is as, as if everything that the man didn't do was what yeah. was popping on my radar. Yeah. You know, he didn't do this and he didn't do that. And he didn't do this and he didn't react this way. And yeah. the more I kind of complained and griped about that to him or to my girlfriends, yes. it's like the more evidence I continue to see. Yes. And then I read this thing about like whatever you focus on grows. And so what, whatever, it, it's your brain scans your environment and chooses what it's going to focus on. And so the stories we tell ourselves is when our brain has focused for far too long on everything that is not right with our partner, instead of actually being able to see through the clear lens of what they are doing, because we bring our own baggage and our internal stuff to the relationship. 100% yes. So one of the things I started to do, and it was very basic, but it was like my story had gotten so out of control that I was struggling to come up with positive things. Yep. And so it was literally, I go to bed at night and I would write down five things. Like he got our son dressed this morning yes. and he, he dropped him off on the way to daycare and um, he made a mean chicken breast for supper. <laughs> yes, that's awesome. Exactly. And then you start noticing that all of those things were also happening at the same time and yes. they were always happening. Yes. And so like whatever your perspective is, yeah. it's always being mirrored back to you. Yes. Yeah. So perspective is so, so critical. I would say maybe 80% of the issues that are feel so painful in a relationship when we tweak the perspective when we start looking for evidence for a new story when we start deciding on purpose what what is the story we want to tell 
right? The story I want everyone in our communities to tell is I'm going to have a thriving relationship. I've decided it's happening. Yes. Oh, it's so powerful. I, I've been doing a lot of this story work in my own life, um, <sighs> just relating, relating to everything because like, I have had tremendous grief over never having another child. And like, I had a lot of resentment over my husband for not agreeing to, as we moved to a better part of our marriage. Um, and so I have had years where I'm just like, I feel so bad that Spencer is kind of like on his own. I mean, he has some step siblings, but they a little bit have their own little crew going, you know? And so the story has always been one of, Oh, this poor little boy, he's going to be on his own. And I should have, he should have had another sibling. And then I just recently was listening to Sarah Dean, shameless mom, okay, her podcast. And whatever she said, it made me think, you know what? The other story, Maggie, is that if I had had another child, I wouldn't have had 15 winters of taking my kid to Colorado and snow skiing. Yes. I wouldn't have taken him golfing every other day during yes. the summer. Like because yes. I didn't have another kid, that is a sore spot for me. That is a source of grief that I've overcome. But there's also all of these other magnificent things that have come yes. from just having this one child. And that's the key is like, what if it was no longer a source of grief? Yeah. Can I tell myself a different story? Yeah. What if it was a celebration, right? What if we shifted that? And what if I asked you for every single thing that used to inspire grief in you? What if we looked at how that was a blessing, how that was wonderful, how it worked out amazing? Right? Yes, that's the work I've been doing lately with yeah. so many things in my life. It's been so powerful. So, so oh my good. gosh. Okay, I love that. So then step two is perspective. Step three, we're on to partnership. Yeah, so partnership is cultivating the friendship. And they, everything builds on everything else. That's why it's a table because you have to make the decision first then you have to start asking questions about how you're looking at your relationship. Is there another way that I can look at this? One question that I ask my clients all the time and I ask them to ask themselves is what else is also true? What else? So what else is also true? So in the case of where you gave the example, the beautiful example that you gave, you started saying, you would have could have answered that question with he made a mean chicken breast. He took the baby to daycare. Right. He did this. He, this is also true. Maybe he was doing a few things that you weren't delighted by, but these other things are also awesome. true. true. So it starts, um, we start with building perspective and then we get to partnership and partnership is this. So many of the women in my community and so many of my coaching clients want to wait until they feel better to do new things. Okay. And what I challenge you all to do is don't wait. Start feeling better by doing new things. <laughs> okay. So good. So if you haven't gone on a date in five months, don't wait until you resolve this. You know, maybe it's a huge issue like deciding to have another baby. And maybe that's going to be a while before you really have all the heart to heart conversations and you decide where you fall on this decision. But in the meantime, if that decision takes you a whole year to hammer out, don't wait to be friends, to help each other, to support each other, to create and cultivate that partnership until that one thing is resolved. Because then you're just, whatever you're not creating is degenerating. It's, you're destroying it, really. Yes. Yeah. And you're just working on default, which never gets yeah. you to where you want to go. 
Yeah, exactly. So it's like, imagine that your partnership, your friendship, the relationship is either going to grow or decay, depending on how much you water that soil, depending on yeah. how much you fertilize that ground. So many people are walking on the road saying, I'm not going to fertilize anything because we got to resolve this other thing, right? Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be over here stuck in victimhood yeah. and resentment because that feels so much better. So I'll know I'm not going to go on a date with him because I'm just feeling really nasty and ugly about him right now. Yeah. And that doesn't help you get any closer. It doesn't to accomplish anything. It doesn't resolve the original problem and it doesn't help you cultivate the friendship that will help you ultimately resolve the problem in a healthy way. Because you can consider each other's point of views. You can think about what are the effects from a really clean, grounded, centered place. So when I talk about cultivating partnership, it's don't wait, do it now. <laughs> yes. Ask what else is also true. Start focusing on that and start focusing on what brought you together in the first place. What's fun for both of you? What's a, mm. a point of connection that doesn't have to be this heavy, serious thing? What can just be like lighthearted and delightful? Yeah. I love that lighthearted piece too, because I think that when you can sometimes take things that are heavy and uh, maybe a more of a serious or triggering topic and you can yes. add a flavor of a sense of humor. Yes. It allows you to navigate the conversation in a way that just kind of opens it up for both of you. Yes. And that's so important in my coaching practice. We often talk about really heavy things, right? Yeah. People don't come to me because they're already at the Ritz Carlton, right? They're coming right. to me because they're in a one star. <laughs> yes, exactly. And so I try to bring that idea that we can deal with something that feels really heavy with a gentle touch. Mm. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That's important. That. So perspective, partnership, now we're at pleasure. So we talked a little about pleasure in the beginning, but Remember, it's true pleasure. It's pleasure that nourishes your soul. And it's everything on the spectrum of pleasure. So you can have, as Kim was saying in the beginning, you can kind of feel like you're a good partner. You can feel like you guys are getting along. But then there's a piece of enjoying each other's company, right, of playfulness, right, so important. And recently, I have to look up where I saw it, but they did some research and I think it's um, the university that studies happiness out in California. Yeah, University of Berkeley. Yes, University of Berkeley. In the University of Berkeley, they have this blog about happiness. And one of the things that they came out, I think it was last week or the week before, very recently, is couples who are playful, surprise, they're happier together. Oh my gosh, Maggie. <laughs> I, you're hitting on so many things. Like I, I am not going to act like we have this like you know, like perfect marriage, but I'm just telling you, Scott Strobel and I have taken it up yeah. a big level in the last few years. And that is the other thing that we've added. So I have this like real silliness. I'm always laughing. I have this sense of humor and he's a little more serious and honest to goodness. What we've both been able to do is like when we get in an argument with each other, it'd yes. be so intense for like I don't know, maybe a minute or so. And then we'll literally just do something really silly and stupid to make each other laugh. And yes. why did we wait all these years to learn how to do this? You know, like this is so much better than being pissed and not talking to each other for three days. Like we're literally laughing and hugging or something. You know, not everything. Sometimes things take a little yeah. longer to work through, but it's like, oh, we just took it too seriously, Maggie, for too many years playfulness you you rock it out that's a beautiful example and here's what I love about you sharing that story it reminds me 
one of the reasons I share my stories too, and I love coming on shows like yours, is when I was growing up, I didn't really have examples of what a healthy marriage looked like. So my parents were divorced, right? I didn't have that like at home. And I remember not even knowing what, what is, could that even be like. And I think the more of us sort of share some of the stories of our own lives or I share examples as I, as I work with people and share different examples of things they've overcome, it starts giving you an emotional vocabulary for mm -hmm. your own self so that you could say, it's kind of like the running the four minute mile. It's like, oh, Kim used to not be as playful as she was in her other parts of her life because let's face it, Kim Strobel is a playful person. Right. <laughs> right? right. But she wasn't bringing that to her marriage. And Kim just started practicing when something felt too heavy, I'm just going to make a lighthearted comment. I'm going to bring it down. I'm going to bring that energy differently. And if Kim could do that, what would that look like if I did that? Yes. 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 And I, I have to tell you, cause like I'm all about real talk on this show. And yeah. so my husband had a recent regression where for the first time in like five years, he didn't talk to me for three days. <laughs> so like, you know how we go back to our old patterns. Yes. And so yes. here's what I said to him. I hope that was worth it to you because one of these days you're going to wish you had those three days back with me. <laughs> Kim! <laughs> We're going to talk behind the scenes. I know. I need an extra session, Maggie, on the recording. I may not recommend that. <laughs> I was like, you're going to wish if something happens and I die uh, suddenly, you're going to wish you had those three days back with your wife. <laughs> so see, he regressed and then it triggered me and I regressed. Right, Maggie? Ah, so here's the thing is, listen, life is messy. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great example of life being messy. And even when we problem solve, sometimes we're messy about it. And sometimes we don't do it perfectly. But the key is to come back to each other, to keep turning towards each other and to keep be, like staying in the room, so to speak. Yes. Yes. And we things. did like, we had a really, we sat down and actually had just a conversation about how we both kind of went about that the wrong way and how we can do better next time because we don't beautiful. want to yeah. feel that again. You know, yeah. that's a beautiful, see, that's a beautiful resolution. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. How do we avoid this in the future? What do we need to do next time? It's right. such a great question. I love it. Yes. Okay. So then you've given basically two pieces of homework. The homework you gave for perspective was if you're struggling with perspective in your marriage, yes. make a list of everything for a week that you see them doing well. Yes. If you're struggling with partnership, you yes. kind of have this homework assignment of go on a date or go do something fun together. Even if yes. you're not exactly where you want to be in that marriage, do it yes. anyway. Yes. I want to know this third thing with pleasure. I want you to give yes. them a little homework assignment if pleasure is their issue. So let's start at the smallest thing. Okay, sometimes people get super ambitious and they're like, oh, you know what? We haven't had sex in five months, so now we're going to go away for sex weekend. Don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> right? <laughs> Maybe make out. Right? Oh, right? yes. Yeah. If it's, and if it's fun and playfulness, maybe think about something that you used to do when you were dating that was like super fun and do that, right? Oh. Go to something that maybe feels familiar and doesn't feel scary to your partner, doesn't feel scary to you. And I really recommend doing things with small tweaks as opposed to grand gestures because yes. small tweaks build over time and you're able to sustain and maintain them. Whereas grand gestures don't actually 
have the net effect that we think they're going to have. <laughs> yes. Yes. That makes sense. So the homework, the official homework is what is the smallest fun thing that you can do to add to your pleasure this week? Do that is the official homework. And will you give us just four or five quick little examples of what that might be? Yeah, so I did. So, for example, through the makeout, right? Don't, yeah, makeout was fun. Classification, just makeout. Yeah. Um, something that you did when you were dating. Okay. Too, okay. Right? Um, and then for another small thing, it would be something that feels like fun that maybe you've never have time to do. Go and do that. Okay. Right? Yes. If there's anything on either of yours list that you really enjoy, so like my husband and I love musicals right yes like check out is there a musical coming to town that you would love to go and see and for right. you guys who are listening it doesn't have to be a musical but is there a favorite artist is there Concert. a club mm -hmm. to visit yeah. right? is there something fun like that so a small simple fun thing right the examples i'm giving you are, are, are kind of like some of them are the things that i would do but don't do what i would do right do what you would do right right, right. Now, okay, I want to go back to this making out thing because one yes. of the things that I find with women who have been in relationships for a while is they're like, so the whole making out thing has just like gone out the door. Like he doesn't want to make out or he doesn't make out. We just go straight for, you know, and I, I, do you see that with your clients? Like that's one of the things that I'm hearing a lot is like, I really wish my spouse would like, what happened to the days when we used to like make out and enjoy okay. like the before thing? So I see a variety of things. I see women who have a higher sex drive than men. I also see men who have a higher sex drive than women. Like I see a variety of things. So I don't want to paint that with a broad brush. But here's what I will say about that. Remember the top of the table is decision. The only reason it's not happening is because of an unmade decision. That's it. We didn't decide it was important. So if it's not important to your husband, how do you make it important? Right? You made it important to you. Because what, what do most of our husbands want? Here, let me take a, st a further step back. I am convinced most of us are not actually married to jerks. Right? Right. <laughs> most of us, the truth is, they married us because they love us. We married them because we love them. Sometimes we disagree. Sometimes we've sort of let the relationship drift a little. But when things are not happening that we want to be happening, it's just a matter of deciding that they're important. Mm -hmm. And most of our partners genuinely want to be our heroes. They want to please us. They want to delight us. Sometimes they stop trying because we stop being delighted. Mm -hmm. they're, like, they're like, they'll fix the window and then we'll say, oh, but the thing is crooked instead of saying, thank you for fixing the window, right? right. And so they stop trying. So I'm kind of painting in broad strokes, right? But for this particular thing, it's like if we want to make out, it's like, hey, I think it would be super fun. What if we like got in the back seat of the car and like went to like the park or did something, right? Mm -hmm. How can you make it fun? Yes. That's why the, the pleasure incorporates playfulness and lightheartedness, right? So here's the thing, you guys, listen to me closely. Do not do this. Do not say, I heard a podcast today. We're not having enough fun. It's your fault. And then have an argument. Do not right. do that. Right. No, no. <laughs> right. Take 100% responsibility that if you want to have more fun, you're going to bring the fun with you and he's going to come along. 
Yeah, and we can't about- use Maggie as a scapegoat here. Yeah, <laughs> I I know. <laughs> yeah, you're right because I actually used to kind of do a little bit of that when we were in counseling. I'd be like, "Well, Charlie says that you need to you yeah, <laughs> don't do that." No, no. <laughs> no, it's like so. Let's say in the example that Kim's gave, it's like maybe. Um, your partner isn't as into making out as you are, but if it's something you want to do, how can you make it delightful and enticing for mm. them to want to do it too? Yes, right? yes. Or you can just ask, hey, I'd love to make out. Would you be up for that? Right, because right. Honestly, there's some people listening to us where that answer is not going to be pretty, and you want to know that answer. Uh, you want to know if they're not up for that, then we need that data point so we could decide how we handle that then. Right. Which, what are our options there, Maggie? Yeah. So we want to know, like, why does it, is it something that you're not interested in anymore? Is this like, what's going on? Especially like I'm 46. Me right? too. I turn 46 next week. Oh, happy birthday. Thank you. So we're entering that era in our lives where our bodies change, our physiologies change. Like there are things beyond do we love each other that affect our physical affection. And if something like that's happening, we want to know, we want to figure that out. And there's also things, emotional and mental things. So we were looking at things that also affect our physical affection. And we want to know that too. So that's why I say start with the smallest fun thing. So for example, in Kim's example, making out might actually not be the smallest thing. It might be hold hands. Mm, Nice. I like that. I like that you gave another example because you're right. I think some people might be like, um, I could never ask my husband to do that. Like he would think yeah. one, I've lost my mind and we're not yeah. at a point to even have that conversation. Yes. So hold yeah. hands. Yeah. So it Touch. could be as simple as hold hands. It could be as simple as asking, may I hug you? Mm, nice. I like permission, everybody. everybody. Mm. I like permission all the way around, everybody. <laughs> okay. May I hug you? Right? Yes. And then we have to deal with the answer, right? If the answer is no, we need to figure that out. And it might take some questioning and some compassion. And that's why you now have a framework, perspective, partnership, pleasure. If the answer is no, may not have anything to do with you. Maybe they had a terrible day at work. Maybe somebody got laid off. Maybe, you know, something happened, right? So that's why you want to always come back to how am I looking about at this? What is the story that I'm telling about it? How can mm-hmm. I be a friend and be a supporter? How can I support you, right? Even for something as simple as a hug or holding hands. Right. That makes so much sense. Um, Yeah. I think what you're giving us is just, it it all makes sense to me. I love the the analogy with the table because it really helps us to see what those three pieces are. But then knowing that we're not asking you to do anything wild or crazy, but you have to decide. And then if whatever your decision is, you do need to take one little right action towards that decision. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah, go ahead. So I want to, I have this other question in the back of my mind, because I have a lot of sort of younger mothers in this group and they'll say things to me like, um, like my, like we, like the five love languages. Do you like those? I kind of like those five love languages. What do you think about those? Girl, that's another episode. Okay. so <laughs> That's a uh, whole other episode. So I'll tell you briefly, because everybody's going to be like, what? Is exactly. It? <laughs> They're like, get that girl back on here. She's going to be episode 25 next. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll tell you briefly. I think the five love languages are a great tool for awareness that is often misused and then used as a weapon. It is weaponized in relationships. I can see that, right? So 
Yeah. So, so you find out what your love language is, and then your love language may be words of affirmation, and mine might be acts of service, right? Yep. Yep. And we find out what it is, and then I expect immediate fluency. You start talking now, Kim. You start. <laughs> You start giving me words of affirmation immediately and you keep my love tank full. And if not, you're the problem with this relationship. Yeah. So I think it's very, very dangerous. I think as a tool for awareness, it's very useful. I think the way that it's been interpreted by a lot of, uh, in like modern times, the way that it's been applied, I, I question it and I have serious concerns that really we could go do a whole episode. Right. Well, we might do that later. We might do that at another time. For those yeah. of you who are wondering, there's this book called The Five Love Languages, and it's basically yeah. centered around there. you have, there's five different ways people feel loved. And so words of affirmation is one, acts of service, doing things around the house or doing the laundry, taking the trash out. Quality time is another, physical touch, which can be affection as well as sex. And then the fifth one is receiving gifts, I think. Yeah, and so, yeah. so, okay. So then I have these young moms who say, Hey, so my husband is kind of feeling neglected. His, okay. his primary love language is physical touch. He wants more sex. Okay. Um, and I want to be able to do that for him, but I don't know. I'm struggling. Cause like, maybe it's really kind of far down on my own list of priorities yeah. because I'm breastfeeding the baby still or yeah. What would your advice be for the woman who says, like, I really want to be there for my partner and I want to help him feel more loved and know that it's not that I'm not attracted to him, um, but I'm kind of struggling to make that a priority. What would your advice be? So there's a couple of things. The first thing would be decide what really matters to you. So many moms with love in their hearts start prioritizing the baby over the marriage to the detriment of the entire family. Like it's not good for the marriage and it's not good for the baby. 100% I'm with you on that, my friend. Yeah. The best thing you can do for your marriage and for your child, the best thing you can do for your child is to prioritize your marriage. Yes. The best thing you can do for your marriage is to prioritize yourself as a woman. Mm. Oh my gosh, those are tweetable what? again. Say those one more time, both of those. The best thing you can do for your marriage, for is your- to, The best thing you can do for your baby is to prioritize your marriage. Okay. The best thing that you can do for your marriage is to prioritize yourself as a woman. Has Oprah interviewed you yet? Not yet, but girl, let's put that in the universe. I agree. <laughs> I agree. If she listens to this episode, she's going to want to. Wouldn't when she listens to it, I should say, when? We love you, Oprah. We do. We do. <laughs> Kim Strobel and Maggie Reyes need to get on your radar, Oprah. <laughs> Um, but I do love that because that is one of the things that I do teach is yeah. that um, I get it that sometimes sometimes the the men need to begin to do more to help us in raising the children, right? So women feel kind of deflated because they have the bulk of the child rearing on them as well as their full-time job, their household responsibilities. And so I do say that it's time for men to step up and begin to have more equity in, in those particular things. But then I say, and men, here's where I'm going to go back to bat for you. When a woman has a child, she loses her, her damn mind and she forgets that she's also a wife. Yeah. You yeah. know, and the men yeah. in the crowd are like, preach it sister right you know? let alone like a sexual being right yes right yes. we're still sexual beings but it's very easy to get amnesia about that 
And we're here to sort of shake everybody out of that. And I will say this, I love what you said, and I take it a step further, which is get the help you need no matter where it comes from. Because another thing that I see causes a lot of strife and pain in relationships is a woman who wants her husband to be good at something he's bad at. Give me an example. So you say, you know, we want you to help more with the kids or we want you to play with them. Maybe he sucks at playing with kids. I, I don't know about you, but I have met people that are amazing with like nine-year-olds, but you put a two-year-old in front of them and it's like, they, they don't know what the heck to do. Right. Right. <laughs> right? Or you put a two-year-old in front of them, they can play for six hours. You put a nine-year-old who has a, a brain and thoughts and right. ideas in front of them and they're like lost deer in headlights. Right. Yes. So then we get resentful. Oh, he's not playing with the kid. Yes. Right? So, so here's what I say. Get the help you need no matter who it comes from. Take the pressure off your husband that, that he has to be the one that does the thing. Just get it done. Mm. This is like, I'm not saying, and let me be clear. I'm not saying when you have two parents, you want everyone to participate. Everyone has responsibilities. Everyone contributes. What I'm saying is let's figure out what our strengths are as a team. Let's work to our strengths. And if there's something that we both suck at, let's see how we solve it. I like it. I like it. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So like one of the examples I'm thinking of yeah. is like hire a damn house cleaner. Yes. 100%. Right? Yes. Yes. Okay. Hire the house cleaner. Get the babysitter. Right? Yes. You're not having sex because you're exhausted. The problem is not the sex. It's the exhaustion. Right? Right. So we need to check your day. What are you doing? And when is the best time to have sex? Maybe it's in the morning before everything starts. Yeah, right. right. We need to start thinking of resourcefulness. Mm, instead right? of it just being so black and white. Instead of being black and white. So a lot of times what happens is when we limit the conversation to my husband should help me more, we limit ourselves in how to find solutions and resolutions to the mm. thing that is really the core problem. The problem may not be that he's not helping enough. The problem may be even if he helped at 100%, then he'd be exhausted and you'd still have no sex. <laughs> right, right, right. Well, I love that you're just making us see the gray areas and that yes. not everything is so black and white. And oh my gosh, I mean, this has been so helpful. And I mean, I know we, we probably need to do a couple more episodes later on because we could do an episode all around sex. We could do an episode all around those five love languages. Um, but this, I just, I love you, Maggie Reyes. I do. You, I just love what you've taught us today. And I think that these are very important things to bring to the forefront um, in understanding that we have a right to go after that exceptional marriage, but that it's still our 100% responsibility to decide we're willing to do what it takes. And I will add to that. I don't think it's just a right. I think it's a sacred duty mm. because my philosophy, I'm going to get a little um, soapboxy for a second, but my philosophy is this, a well-loved heart a well-loved heart isn't a violent heart. Mm. A well-loved heart does not go to war, whether it's emotional war or physical war, right? Mm -hmm. So whatever we do in our homes for ourselves, for our families, has a ripple effect that is incalculable in society. It's how mm. we change the world. Mm. I get all like, I got goosebumps. I do too. I do too. I love that. So it's like when you say, when I tell a woman, rest, Take a freaking nap. 
hire the babysitter. Yes. Trade. If you know, some people are going to say, "Oh, I can't afford." Fine. Trade with your with your Absolutely. Bestie. Yep. Call your neighbor. Right. It doesn't have to be about hiring someone. Yeah. Right? It's doing an ask. It's yeah. It's doing an ask. But when we think about it as beyond ourselves, that it's a sacred duty, that this is how we create the world we wish we lived in, that nap becomes really important. <sighs> Having sex with my husband becomes a really important thing I need to do, right? Because yeah. if I feel better in my day, he feels better in his day. He goes out into the world feeling loved and cared for. I go out into the world feeling loved and cared for. And who knows the stranger will meet? who will inspire. Who oh my gosh. Whose heart will comfort that day. Right. So mm -hmm. this is like for reals, right? It's, it's like, Oh, fun, whatever. But no, no, no. This is like, this is how we change the world. Mm. Gosh, Maggie. So, so, so good. Well, I can't wait for people to in the, who are listening to this, who are in the free Facebook group to, I want you to go there. I want you to go there listeners and, and tell me, what are you thinking? Cause I think this has been so eye opening. I, I love the perspective that you've brought to this and how you just rounded it all the way back into how we really need to see that this is something that is not just about us, but it's about every person that we affect going forward because we have well-loved hearts. Yes. So, okay. I always ask my guests, Maggie, yes. how they are reaching for more joy in their life. So how is Maggie Reyes reaching for more joy in her life? Oh my goodness. I really love enthusiasm like you do. I, I'm a person who probably is maybe more naturally enthusiastic than the average bear. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Um, so I reach for joy by giving myself the opportunity to do things that I love. That's one. Like I love to read just for fun. I reach for joy with that. I reach for joy with my husband. So last year we did something fun. We need to do it this year. We haven't done it yet. We sat down and we planned our dates. Like we looked at Eventbrite and the musicals and all the things that were coming to town. And we planned like a bunch of things ahead of time. So this sounds paradoxical. I planned for my joy ahead yes. of time. Yes. Right? Yes. But that's how I reach for joy is by prioritizing so, it. Yeah. Prioritizing it. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. I love that, Miss Maggie. Well, thank you so much for just bringing your heart-filled wisdom to us and helping us all learn to put our relationships back to the forefront of our lives. Um, and so tell us real quick, where can people find more of you? If they're like, hey, I need this relationship coach. I need this girl, Miss Maggie, in my life. Where can I go find her? So you can find me at MaggieReyes.com. So it's M-A-G-G-I-E-R-E-Y-E-S.com. If you love podcasts, I just launched my podcast. It's called The Marriage Life Coach Podcast. You can find it everywhere podcasts are on. And you can go to MaggieReyes.com forward slash podcast and download it there too. Excellent. Thank you so much, Maggie. Whoop, whoop. We did it. Thank you so much for joining me on the She Finds Joy podcast today. I'm super honored to share this space with you, and I hope you learned something new and helpful. As always, this conversation will be continued in our free private Facebook group. You can join that group by going to kimstrobel.com forward slash she finds joy to connect with other joy seekers just like you. Additionally, if this is your first time joining the show, know that I am here every Wednesday 
with a brand new episode. So make sure you subscribe, go to whatever podcast app you use and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. You can go to that directly if you go to kimstrobel.com forward slash podcast. That will put you in Apple Podcast where you can click on the subscribe button and you can also leave a review. If you scroll down just a little bit, you will be able to leave that five-star review and just leave me a few sentences letting me know what you thought about the show. It really helps me. If you let me know how the show has impacted you and how you are striving for more joy in your life, you might be nominated to be the Joyful Woman of the Week. Also, please share this episode. My goal is to help more women unleash their happiness one daring day at a time. So please take a screenshot on your phone, share it out on social media, tag your friends, tag me at Kim Strobel Joy on Instagram or in our Facebook group, kimstrobel.com forward slash she finds joy. I'm quick to reply and I am super eager to send you some Facebook love. It makes my heart happy to be able to connect and surround myself with other women who are all ready to do this work. So thanks for being here and I'll be back next week. Until then, no matter what you do today, make sure you know that you are enough just as you are. Here's to finding more joy.